listeners and folk who have on in the background, I am your humble host Ian Sun and welcome to the First Time Films Podcast. On the show today we are talking about the 1984 teen flick classic The Karate Kid, directed by John G. Alvidson. The Karate Kid tells the tale of a down-in-his-luck teen from New Jersey as he tries to fend off bullies in his new home of Los Angeles, California, when he meets a mysterious old karate master by the name of Mr. Miyagi to teach him about not only how to defend himself, but how to keep his integrity. Today I'm joined by first-time films veteran and resident anti-movie buff, Kwaku-san. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad. I'm, I'm now a veteran, oh my God. I, yeah, I feel like you've been on enough times that you're, you're now a veteran. <laughs> well, see on my Twitter, I have it as first time films noob, so maybe I need to change that. Thanks very much for that. Is that yeah, you've been uh, you've been promoted. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's one hell of a promotion. So is that now me got my black belt yet? Or <laughs> hey, there we go. We're getting into it already. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also joined and happy to give a warm welcome to first time first timer Marnie San. How are you? Hi, I'm very good. I definitely feel like. Kwaku has been promoted because I'm now the newbie. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, we need. Yeah, we now need. To, yeah, now the bottom of the money. Wait until you get through the initiation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna love it. Due course, you'll find it in due course. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure it's actually good, but uh, we'll consult David about it later. <laughs> Grand, so let's get into talking about the movie. So, apart from spawning a wave of casually racist impressions of Japanese accents, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rad, did you interested in karate when you were younger? Uh, we'll start with you, Kwaku. Um, I, I mean, I went to a couple of Taekwondo lessons, that's it. So, yeah. Uh, other than that, I did boxing. Yeah, I was an amateur boxer for a while. Oh, uh, yeah. That was hilarious. But other than that, no. Did you win any of your bouts? I'm actually undefeated. I had, <laughs> I had, I mean, I had three fights, and I knew to retire before I went to the uh, right, one, yeah, yeah. so that I can come on this show, have my moment, and say I'm an undefeated boxer. Yeah, sure. Talk you. Turn your brain. Don't turn your brain. So then, exactly, exactly. Avoid me where there's got nothing on me. <laughs> Amazing. What about you, Marty? Were you ever into were you ever into karate when you when you were growing up? Or still a karate master now? I don't know why I've assumed it's when we were younger. I am absolutely not a karate master. I used to do karate when I was little. Um I did it kind of throughout my childhood, but I was I was pretty bad. I was I was quite bad. This movie brought on a lot of very um, very harrowing memories for me. Um, <laughs> I felt into it, but yeah, it was not I was not great at all. It was fun, like definitely, but yeah, I I was doing dance classes. I moved. I switched. Uh, oh yeah, so I went from more something from something so violent to something more graceful. I yeah, like, I was in karate lessons and I was like pointing my toes, and they were like, "This is not going to be for you, baby." Well, you know, I was also a karate enthusiast growing up. I remember, um, like. Uh, my parents bought me and my brother like the two, you know, the kind of robes, the kind of white robes, and uh, we wore them, we wore them all the time. And I remember it was like two days after we got them, and uh, me and my brother were kind of fooling around in the living room. <laughs> I, I jumped, I jumped in his back in an attempt to do some sort of fly kick grapple move, you know, like, and uh, he ended up throwing me off his back, and I broke two of my toes. So, nice. uh, <laughs> so my uh, karate career was uh, stunted at an early age. Who knows? Maybe I would have been a master. Maybe I would have been uh, teaching Daniel Larusso in the in some sort of in some sort of reboot if I'd uh, stuck at it. But there you go. I was in um... another life, man. Another life. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, what did you say there, Bonnie? Another lay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ah, well, <laughs> I know the butterfly effect, the way, the way absolutely mm-hmm. me, it was not my destiny. <laughs> so let's jump into actually talking about the movie. So is it everyone's first time watching? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I kind of knew you were going to say that. I kind of knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I guess, um, the reputation that you've uh, developed over time. What about you, Manny? Is this your first time watching? It was, yeah. I'd heard about it, and I think I've seen like clips of the the newest one, the one with Jaden Smith. But it was nice. It was nice to watch like a a classic, really, like a proper. Like 1980s film, it was good. Yeah, I know it has that. It has it totally has that kind of teen flick charm to it, uh, and it's just like so amazingly 80s. But we can get into that in a little bit. But um, that was uh, it's also my first time watching. I haven't seen any um, Karate Kid related media. I haven't seen Cobra Kai. I haven't seen any well this one or the sequels. I haven't seen the Jaden Smith one. Although apparently I shouldn't have watched the Jaden Smith one. Apparently it was terrible. But uh, I guess. Uh, this is just my first time going in. So, what are your guys' first impressions of the movie? Loved it. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I'm actually kicking myself. I never watched it earlier, to be honest with you. But it's just one of those things. Like, it never kind of... I know it's an iconic film. It's a legendary film and stuff like that because there's so many legendary films I've not seen. We will glance over that detail now. Yeah. Um, but... I'm really actually kicking myself because I feel like my eyes have been opened to like a whole like I'm, I feel like a hermit that has just come out of their house for the first time in like 50 years and like sat down in a straight jacket watching this thing I'm like cool <laughs> oh, amazing what about you Marty how'd you like it yeah I I really liked it um which is a which was surprising because I didn't I felt like I knew what it was about and I was like, Yeah, I don't I really think that's my kind of thing. But then watching it, um yeah, I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. because um, I'm not a, I'm not a sports gal, um I'm not even a massive film gal. Like I'm I kind of you know, I've not watched a lot of the classics or um have, you know, watched a lot of films and have all the opinions that other people have. So yeah, and I'm, I'm like I'm not like I said I'm not a sports gal, so I thought oh it's probably not going to be for me, but I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was yeah, really totally. Cool. I think yeah, I think what was end up being so charming about it, it ends up actually not really being as much about karate, uh, like karate. It's more about the kind of this kind of developing relationship between Mr Miyagi and Daniel, and I just thought uh, I just thought it ended up being really kind of heart really kind of heartwarming. Uh, it really has a good, it really has a good feel good one. You know, it's like a kind of you know beat down kid, underdog has to like make his way back up, and he eventually gets his win in the end. Oh, sorry, spoilers, guys, but uh, of course it's a spoiler ridden podcast. So Jesus Christ, man, <laughs> honestly, I know. What am I like? What am I like? We're only five minutes in. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was. Um, just supercharged, just has like it's so soaked, it's soaked in eighties. It's just like everything from start from start from start to finish. It's just fantastic. I mean, I feel like there's like eighties teen flick cliche bingo that you can play. It's like there's so many things that you can just pick out at a glance. You know, like uh, raised by a single mother, moving to a new town where he doesn't fit in at school, working class kid falls in love with the upper class all American girl. She's got disapproving parents. She's mentored by an old mysterious Asian sensei. It's just like thing after thing after thing. Right, right. See on that note, right. If I mean I'm not exactly 
Mr. Casanova when it comes to dating or whatever have you. Full disclaimer there. But if I'm <laughs> going to go around and pick up a girl, right, I would not go in the car with my mum, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, when you know that the mum's car is a piece of shit. Thirdly, <laughs> I... And worse than yet, getting her essentially to steer the car as it's getting pushed. That's just <laughs> like, like how that kid made a second date, I do not know. And they say, <laughs> they say this generation romance is dead because of Tinder. No, look back at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no chivalry anymore. But you know, no. maybe like and show them as your salt of the earth. You know, hard, hard working. Mm-hmm. You get, you get, you, you see what you get, you get what you see, you, you know, working, working yeah. class, something a bit different, none of those snotty social club kids. Yeah, I suppose. I, I completely agree um, with what you were saying, Ian. Um, it's, when I was watching it, I think why I liked it so much is that it wasn't so much about um, sports. I mean, it's about karate and there, there's a really sort of interesting storyline about him learning um karate but it is just so of its time and it is it is like an 80s bingo card um and i remember watching uh recently i watched dazed and confused which i think came out oh, in the yeah. 90s. i remember thinking oh that's such a perfect representation of like that sort of late 80s early 90s kind of um life but i think karate kid is does it better to be honest or just I don't know there's something really wholesome about it and, and sweet and um, I really like and I think the acting is actually much better than we get nowadays like yeah yeah okay there was all these like cheesy cliches like oh he gets a girl and he you know falls in love with this girl from like another world blah blah, blah. but I think that the acting just felt very natural to me I think when you see cliches like that in TV and film now, it's just so sort of glossy and Hollywood esque, and just yeah, totally. I mean, uh, the last match was. Oh, sorry, I remember. <laughs> oh, sorry, no, yeah, well, like, I, I really thought that the same as Ali. Ralph Macho as um, Macchio, Macchio, I think it's uh, one or the other, uh, as Daniel Russo. Like, uh, I thought, like, he isn't really your kind of like typical kind of handsome Hollywood protagonist, he's kind of he's kind of lanky and lanky and bold and. Uh, I think I thought his performance was actually like one of the most kind of natural. Like it really seemed, it never seemed like he was reading lines. If you know what I mean, it always just seemed like he was like really, really in about it. I think he like mm-hmm. it was really, really him and Devil's Pamarito was um, Mr. Miyagi. They definitely carried it along because like they just had such a kind of electric, electric bond that was so, um, so charming to watch. I think charming is just the word that comes to mind when it like when I think of this when I think of this movie now having watched it. It just has this kind of like. Ah, it's just so hearty and hearty and wholesome, like you said. It's just like, it's just so lovely. So did you? So and Elizabeth Shue played the um uh the love interest. I did. I'd never actually seen her in anything else before, apart from that. Uh, did you guys watch the boys? You know the the Amazon superhero series. No. Oh, you never watched it, right? You guys should give that a watch. It's fucking excellent. But um, uh, yeah. But I know it's it's funny because uh, like I mean, uh, I mean, Ralph Macho was uh, twenty two when the film got filmed. But I could definitely believe that he was. I could definitely believe that he was like a sixteen-year-old boy, <laughs> whereas I'm sure oh, I'm like I'm clearly looking at a person in their mid twenties. Twenty-two when they filmed Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was surprised as well, but he still looks like a kind of wee guy. I was like, this fourteen-year-old is killing it. This fourteen-year-old is doing so well. Oh my god, I'm gonna Google that right now. 
<laughs> so I mean, yeah. So it was really excellent. Man, totally. But I think it might be because the only other thing I've watched Elizabeth Shue and she's like in her mid fifties. So maybe I'm just like seeing all those kind of mature features, and I was like, that's what she's going to grow up to be. Like, <laughs> she's definitely, definitely not, definitely not sixteen. <laughs> yeah, she she definitely looks older, but oh my gosh, that's mad. You know that's serious case of the baby face. He was definitely showing his ID a lot, uh, going into shops and bars as a as a rising actor. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk a wee bit about um, Pat Morito and Mister Miyagi because obviously he's the other kind of like lead, the other kind of uh, driving force of the film. Um, I really thought that his performance was was excellent, and you know he actually uh, got turned down for the role originally. It was um, the director wanted him at first, and then it was I think it was the exec producer or the producer that said he didn't really he didn't really think that uh, they'd take him seriously because Pat Morita was of course a comedy actor before um, before he got a role like this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I know, believe it or not, <laughs> accent thing earlier because it was actually after he came in for a second audition and he put on the Japanese accent and he grown the kind of like an iconic beard, goatee, go, goatee thing, and then they mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's him. <laughs> Sounds like casting from Vince McMahon in WWE. Sorry, <laughs> that that's something that he would be. Is like, how stereotypical can you look? Yeah, that's definitely there. <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's just not quite Japanese enough. I know. <laughs> I'm actually convinced that he has you standing next to a Dulux wall chart and says, yes, you will do for this role. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the, the relationship between uh, Daniel, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi throughout the film. It's like, I thought it was uh, like really lovely. And um, but, uh, one thing that also struck me is like, is Daniel's mum really okay with her son spending this amount of time with like a strange old man? Like, cause it seems like yeah. he's at school or he's at he's with some, <laughs> some old guy. Well, location. I think those were the days where, like, let's be honest, let's be real. Like, things like like well, what you have, like the Savile scandals and all this stuff, it wasn't really like right for whatever so like say for example like when i go out with my nephews and at, at the party kind of thing and uh, you see another kid that falls you kind of show your concern from afar you don't go up to the kid kind of thing whereas yeah. in those days you might have like gone done a list of parents said otherwise like when you're there if you know first yeah, aid or whatever right. but you know what i mean <laughs> it's a weird way of saying it. I'm there. I'm just like saying, I'm not saying this out loud. <laughs> yeah. I d- devil's advocate always well. Always well. <laughs> I remember having uh, I remember having that same thought, but only at the scene where the really lovely scene where they're on the boat and he's he gets them to sort of stand on either side of the boat, um, which I just thought was one of the the nicest scenes in the in the whole film. But that's when it hit me, like, you know. That would just not slide today. Like, if I, okay, also I'm I'm a woman. I would be a young girl, but like, I think if any teenage boy had said to them, I'm like, yeah, me and Mister So and So are just gonna like go on this boat for a little while off in some lake. It would be like, what are you doing? That's not. <laughs> it's not the done thing. But I, yeah, I think people really romanticize that time for like, oh, those things. Those sorts of things didn't happen. Um, which isn't true. Like we know that they did, but people just really weren't aware of them. Um, so in a way, when we watch films like this, it's you can almost sort of um, 
not feel nostalgic, but you can sort of go, oh, like that was just a different time. Like people just had different attitudes mm-hmm. back then, different perceptions. Whether that's true or not, um, people were just maybe a bit more ignorant. There is, I feel like that time is always um, considered just very sweet and innocent. Yeah. Maybe not the 80s, maybe like less um, further back than that. But uh, yeah. It is, you're right, you know, it's a really sweet relationship, it's very charming, and it's very, um, it is very natural between them, it's not some sort of over <laughs> yeah. I know, I'm starting to not like this road we're going down here, like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the first time film's official stance is that, uh, Mr. Miyagi is not a pedophile, he's not, he's, he's not a nonce. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> to get on the record I think what I mean is the way that it's acted I think so much of the acting you see especially from uh, really young actors nowadays is very quite over the top and over dramatised and they have this sort of father-son relationship but it's not um, that's not really like made very obvious to you like it's just sure. very subtle and they have a very um, yeah it's a very like natural relationship I think yeah of course yeah because it does become a kind of father something because obviously the, it is like a kind of single mother bringing the bringing the kid to Los Angeles and he's to kind of learn, learn the ropes and learn how to you know become a man and not lose his temper and so the father so the father son aspect does actually is actually really kind of really kind of wholesomely become this kind of like mentor like not only he's not only teaching him karate but he's teaching them, he's teaching them like all these kind of life lessons these kind of questions of philosophy well uh, see on that note right I know we've uh, we've cleared Mr. Miyagi as not being a nod so we're good for that right however we need to pick up the fact that he's been clearly using daddy for child labour that's not all <laughs> yeah that, yeah, well, yeah he's not completely off the hook just <laughs> yeah <bro. laughs> yeah I- Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually brings us on about like talking about the actual cry. Yeah, wax on, wax off, wax off has got to be the least legitimate training method I've ever seen. <laughs> no, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just to get him to do housework. <laughs> it's a really nice, it's a really nice story device, definitely. But there's absolutely no way, um, he goes into that tournament at the end and whips out all those moves just from learning how to wax up. I mean, next time, next time I take my car for a car wash at the hand wash, I'm definitely locking all the doors before they start kicking my ass. <laughs> all the practice they must have had. If that's, if Is that that's how it works? Like, go and find the kind of lo- go and find the kind of lonely, lonely teen who you want to teach some sort of martial and go, hey, here's how we begin. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! For the love of that's when Mister Raggy abandoned him. That <laughs> he's cleaned his house. He's what he sanded the floor, cleaned his gut, and he's like, "Your training, training done. Enjoy, enjoy the tournament, right?" <laughs> yeah, at least gave him a car, though. That that that's fair enough. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, no. To be honest, like, see, for a, for a few days' work, yeah, getting a, getting a, getting your own car is probably pretty sweet. I'd probably take I'd probably take that deal along with mm-hmm. all the kind of you know. Off screen, off screen learning how to uh, advance black belt <laughs> <laughs> in the space of a couple of weeks. <laughs> Sorry, one second. So let's talk a little bit about uh, a couple of our favourite scenes from the film. I mean, obviously the um, the tournament at the end is just fantastic. I didn't realise that that was the first time that uh, you're the best around is ever was ever used in a movie mm-hmm. because it's. Actually- 
Oh, sorry, you speaking there, Manny? <laughs> Continue. All right, yeah. First thing I was using the movie, and it's funny because it was actually originally written to be used in Rocky Three, and you know, it was actually I like when I think of that song, I kind of thought it would be a kind of Rocky esque. Is it kind of Rocky? Yeah, exactly. And do you know what's kind of <laughs> this movie was kind of made in the wake of Rocky, like. Uh, the Karate Kid was obviously like people like Rocky came out and everyone thought boxing was cool and obviously there was probably a whole new wave of amateur boxers, much like much like Quack, much like Quack who have a few fights undefeated or defeated depending on mm-hmm. uh, the strength and uh, vigor. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Karate Kid definitely, I, I think it was definitely kind of a kind of spiritual sequel maybe to Rocky, like kind of let's get let's get the kids interested in karate. That's a cool cool blood sport. Mm-hmm. I think. Um... When I saw that scene and I heard that song, I hadn't realised uh, even just till then that that was the first time that song had been used, which now makes perfect sense because when I watched it, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, it's so it's actually really nice to uh, watch a scene where the song isn't used as a joke. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the time it's used as like, oh, when someone trips over or when someone like makes a mistake or fucks up, but it's nice that it was actually just this really dramatic piece of music with a super over the top eighties sort of climax. Sure. I mean, it's, it's it was great. I just thought it was great. Yeah, it was great. You know, I was actually going to add this so- add this song as like a cl- as a cliche for the cliche bingo, but I realized, but then I realized it actually started with this movie, so it gets a pass. I think if you establish the <laughs> cliche, you're not actually you aren't the cliche. You're the you're the original founder. <laughs> <laughs> Worth of a cliche is something special, man. I feel like there's not many anymore. Instead of cliches, we just have like memes that just go and go so quickly and move so fast. So it's nice yeah, to exactly. We have this kind of modern. Everything's a joke. Nothing sincere anymore. Yeah. It's nice to go. It's nice to go back to the eighties when people when people smiled and we had all American heroes and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that that's, that's grossly washing over the, the problems that were definitely around us. <laughs> <laughs> romanticized idea and we're sticking to it. Yeah, let, I mean, we romanticize it and then we can get into all the, the problems, you know. With all- <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of intersectional readings of uh, <laughs> intersectional readings postmodern, you know. <laughs> so, let's talk a little bit about a couple of your favorite scenes. Did you guys have a uh, specific favorite scene? Any bits that really stuck out to you? I mean, for, well, first thing for me is how much uh, that Johnny guy looks like Logan Paul now. He just oh, made, no. I just, yeah. just want to slap him even more now. Sorry, <laughs> I, I don't like Logan Paul. Disclaimer. Um, I think it has to be when Daddy did the... He set up the trap in the toilets when it was the Halloween oh, disco, yeah. and he set up the trap of the water and it's just the way he's running surrounded in a shower curtain. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah, what, up with it? what was up with that outfit? I mean, like, he says, he says to um, he says to Ali, like, at the last, he's like, a friend made it for me. So, did Mr. Miyagi make that? <laughs> they never show him getting. They never show him getting his. Uh, never show him getting his shower outfit. He just kind of turns. He just kind of turns up. <laughs> I'm just liking the idea of watching, uh, like you know, Mister Maggie very kind of, uh, very kind of peacefully cutting his bonsai tree, but he's actually fun. <laughs> That's like to get a wearable shower. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like that scene as well. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, a pop list 
Yeah. And I funny thing about that scene, it's so funny how like they can like kind of paint the bully the bad guy in these kind of 80 movies because it's like, of course the uh, the bad guy bully is uh, he's rolling a J in the toilet and uh, <laughs> it's a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the water, I was like, that's genius to like just flash the water on it. I was like, that's next like next level thinking see exactly should have patched the karate and just went for a kind of home alone style setting up traps (laughs) 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 it's bully (laughs) (laughs) that's alone the sequel sequel now Ms. Bobber you might do you have any other favorite any other favorite scenes I think um yeah do you know quite a few actually yeah I'm surprised actually um there's a lot I could pick out I mean I thought um, one of the most sort of interesting scenes or a scene that sort of changed it for me was um, when it's Mr Miyagi's anniversary with his wife, his past and mm-hmm. sort of a bit more about his story and how he had this mm-hmm. son that passed away and that that for me is when it clicked that actually he, he, he sort of sees um, uh, him as the Sun figure, and it, it was really emotional actually, um, and it really took me by surprise because up until then I had sort of been riding this wave of like it's the 80s, it's fun, like it's, it's high school, it's inconsequential, like everything you know, it's all just a bit a bit light. Um, but yeah, I thought that was that was really moving actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought it was really, I thought it was really kind of humanizing, a really humanizing moment for uh, Mr. Miyagi. Um, he really, it really, it really was just this kind of, kind of ethereal, ethereal figure before. You know, he's just like this kind of karate master who makes bonsai trees and has a lovely garden. <laughs> you know, like uh, it just seems like this kind of, kind of cartoon. But like when you got this, when you, when you got this scene and he's, you know, he's wearing his army uniform as well. I thought it was like a really, you know, really kind of, really took, really uh, gave the, gave the film another layer, especially with the relationship between the, the kind of father son relationship you were talking about. No, no, really, yeah. Really, that that really was a great. That really was a great scene. Um, I think, actually, sorry, sorry. I think looking back through the film, for obviously, like I've got a perception of someone in the twenty first century in twenty twenty, and I was I was watching it thinking, like, are these really gross stereotypes of you know Asian people, like broad generalizations about Asian people? Like, is this just a bit of a um, stereotype and is a bit problematic? But I just thought that scene um, just heightened the character so much, um, so that he wasn't like you said, just ethereal, almost sort of stereotypical um, character. He really was you know, a, a real person with a past that was very, yeah, very real and upsetting. And um, so the film became like this really intense drama actually for mm. for a couple minutes there. So yeah, it just me. Um, but the, apart from that, most of my favorite scenes were just like those montage clips of them just in the arcade and yeah, it was just so, it was just so wholesome and sweet and you know I just the idea of going on a date where you get picked up by his mom at like seven o'clock and you get dropped home at nine and then you go yeah. play air is just so sweet and uh, yeah. No, no, totally, super charming, man. It's like it's funny. It's funny how like you, you can kind of get eighties nostalgia, even though like I didn't exist in the, I didn't exist in the eighties. Like it's just like it's just so cool, so cool, all that stuff. And it really is a kind of 
really is a kind of re- kind of a relic of that age. Like especially when he says the line, she's like, "Ali wants to drive his car. Ali wants to drive his car," and he goes, "It's the 80s. And then I was like, "It most certainly is. It most certainly is." <laughs> oh no, I was born in 1998, and I'm just like, "Oh, what a good time that was." <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was back at the arcade playing yeah. Street Fighter. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Where I've never been. Like. <laughs> no, totally. No, I mean, like talking about Mister Miyagi, one of my favorite scenes actually is that I think I think he actually was really kind of carefully written. He wasn't as much of a broad ster- as much of a broad stereotype as like I think it's easy as easy as easy to say. Um, I love, I love the scene where he takes uh, he takes Daniel down to the down to the Cobra Kai uh, training dojo. And uh, he gets into the argument with the kind of the big buff uh, sensei hard man guy, uh, and it's just like just the way they carefully chooses all his words so that he can't let the guy get into a fight with him because he's like because it kind of shows that kind of dichotomy between the kind of the Cobra Kai training and the real karate because it's, like, he's saying they're saying strike strike first no mercy but he's saying like it's all about def- it's all about defense deflection it's all about keeping your cool. So I thought actually like it's all these wee, it's all these kind of wee things which make it just from like your kind of kind of kind of kind of bland eighties teen flick into something really kind of really kind of charming and special. And I think it's just like I think it's what's really kind of made it live on because even though it is like like even though it does have a kind of very set age on it, I feel like it's a kind of it's kind of timeless because you can just watch you can just watch anytime, especially without the any kind of eighties special effects which make it look which make it look t- make it look terrible. It's just a very kind of like grounded grounded kind of heart filled movie. Mm. So I mean, I don't think that um I don't think that it has that. I don't think it really has. It doesn't have the same depth as something like you know like Ferris Bueller's Day Off or I don't know or maybe something like. Uh, uh, the Breakfast Club. Uh, I know I've just named two of John Hughes movies, but you, you, you know what I mean. Like it's like it doesn't really dive quite as deep. Like it's still very, it's still very accessible that way. But um, no, I, t- I mean I, t- I totally loved it. Yeah. it. was a little bit. Um, I can't think of the words, but it followed a bit too much of a pattern to be um, as not groundbreaking, but sort of as iconic as Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I mean sure. that. Like I just feel like, I mean I've not seen it in a couple of years now, but um, they just really did whatever they want they wanted with that film. Whereas this one was formulaic; it was a little bit more formulaic. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Because I know because when it does when it does when it does see exactly because it is like kind of as the little as the little moments to make it special rather than the kind of overall overall thing. Because it is a pretty basic story, you know, like underdog underdog faces hard time has to rise above it by changing his ways, you know. Yeah. It's quite cliche, yeah, but yeah, totally amazing. So, just to like, just to round up, I think yeah, uh, you know, I've done this in the past couple, past couple of shows. I mean, uh, the arbitrary but obligatory ten out of ten rating. What do you guys mm-hmm. rate? What would you give it, Quacker? What would you give it? Start with Quacker. Nine. Nine out of ten. See, that, that, that is high praise. Yeah, that is high nine. praise. See, but see, it is great, man. Like, I'll definitely go. I'll definitely go back and watch that. That's definitely like a. Oh, when you're feeling yeah. Like, I'm I mean, hungover and emotional. Like you go and watch a movie like that to make you feel better. I mean, you know me. I need to watch a film at least twice before I understand it. I don't, I've not even seen it twice, and I loved it. So I am going to watch it twice. But I wanted to make that point. <laughs> Fantastic. And what about you, Mike? What would you give it then? I'm going to go eight, but veering towards a nine, just because I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, I thought it wasn't going to be my taste, but I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I think it's eight. 
Yeah, do you know, what? I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna agree with Marnie on this. One. I'm gonna give it around a, a an eight. Just that mm-hmm. has, just like it, just has so much, just so has so much charm and so much. There's so much stuff to love about it. It's just so much to like love about that kind of era, that kind of era of cinema, despite being, despite being a bit formulaic. Like it's kind of the heart in the middle of it is really what makes it great. Mm-hmm. The colours as well. We're just so... I love that. I just, the colours are so lovely. Um, the music was great. I think, like, altogether, really well made film. I think maybe it just... Um, not exact... Not, like, a 10 out of 10 in terms of my taste, but a really nicely um, made film. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, soundtrack isn't actually something we touched upon too much, apart from the um, the best around clip, obviously, because it actually has that kind of nice mix between that nice kind of... I mean, I know this might uh, delve into, like, cliche, but more that kind of, kind of mystical... Mystical, kind of, kind of mystical music with the, with the lovely orchestral score which actually like when I first heard that I was like, I was like oh no they're not going to play those mad kind of like flutes every time he's on screen yeah. really, but, but really it was actually like super charming and emotional and I think the scenes which had those that music in it really stood out but then you also got the crossover with these kind of like super like super 80s super 80s kind of digital <laughs> kind of di- kind of yeah digital sounds and stuff so it's just like I was just added that it was really kind of lovely mood so, so I think that really concludes our chat about the Karate Kid uh, I really loved it I think it was high sc- high scores all round from the team so um, mm-hmm. that was a, that was a fun one to have a chat about but uh, let's dive into a couple of news stories so a couple of things have come up this week so they've um, just started filming the new Black Panther movie so mm-hmm. that's uh, Black Panther two, and there's been rumours of Rihanna uh, being hired, being hired to play in the new film. What do you guys uh, reckon? Are you guys fans of Black Panther? Or are you guys planning on watching this one? Uh, most definitely for me, yes. Um, so I'll be interested to see the the kind of legacy that they follow on from, because Black Panther, well, uh, we could call it one now. It has left such a big legacy, uh, both mo- in monetary terms and also in terms of being an absolute classic. And then obviously with the sad effects with Chadwick passing recently, yeah. um, it's just something like, I just hope they're not doing it for the sake of it. Because yes, I'm excited about Rihanna and stuff like that. But... When I think back at my second film that I watched, uh, to be fair, Rihanna, like, I've heard great things about, I've not watched Ocean's 8, I believe she was in that, and I've heard great things about Ocean's 8, but at the same time, I can't really, I can't really bypass when one of the films I watched was Rock of Ages, which was absolutely star-studded, mm-hmm. but yet absolute shit. <laughs> yeah, that one suffered a bit. <laughs> I bet. Jeez, oh, please don't become an A&E doctor. <laughs> yeah, this patient is suffering a bit. Man. <laughs> yeah, Doctors, you know, they've not moved for two weeks. I know it's only a bit. I mean, you know, it's not, it's not bad. You know, it's like, it's like you know, how is it <laughs> I mean, so what about you, man? Are you excited about Black Panther two? Or have you watched? Have you watched the first one? You can um, you into the superhero franchises? You know, I haven't. I haven't seen it. I'm very keen to. I'm not. Uh, I'm not into. And this is, I know, quite a maybe quite a controversial statement. 
I'm not into superhero movies at all. <laughs> like, welcome to first time film with Marty Russell. I'm here to like a really annoying guy that is just like, nope, I don't know anything about him. I don't want to watch him. Um, but I, I do really want to see it. And I think now that they're coming out with a second one, it gives me like, a really good um, excuse to watch the first one and then I can watch the second one. Because um, I read a lot about it. I, I, so many people have so many thoughts on it on Twitter, um, and I know obviously like there was, it was such a horrible loss, like it this year, um, Chadwick Grossman passing away, um, so yeah, I, I am excited to watch it, um, I think Rihanna Dornan, great, I love Rihanna, I think, um, I think the thing about Rihanna is that she's moved away from music so much and she has done many different things, she's making it very clear to us that like, she is multi-talented, she wants to do lots of different things with her life, like she's not just a celebrity that wants her face in a film, you know what I mean? Sure. So I think that she is part, and I know that, I know, like I know Rihanna personally, I do not know her personally, but <laughs> I know when, you know, when she wants to, when she's part of a project, it's because she really wants to, because she, she, um, she's been quite quiet recently, so it just makes me think that this is something she's really into, and that she's really committed to, so I think it would be great. Sure. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of looking forward to Aqua. I, I, I like Black, I like Black Panther. I think that does, it does kind of, uh, in the kind of place of the Marvel movies, it does just kind of is another kind of, kind of, kind of formulaic story. But like to be, to be honest, like I find it, I find them satisfying. I just like sit and watch the cool special effects and wow, how kind of go over the mess. And you know, Marvel always has its kind of has its kind of charm as well. I think it gets a bad rap for being kind of being too being too formulaic or being all too too similar. But no, I think they, they all have their own individual charm, and then I'm looking forward to seeing where they go. Dead. To, I mean, especially with Chadwick Boseman dying, um, it's uh, like I'm really interested to see the direction they take it in because I'm sure there's so many, so many different things they can do. Especially like I mean, if you like, as soon as you dig into like any kind of comic book background story, you know, there's like a million stories they could go with it. They could go with any any given one. You only have to think about Thor Ragnarok or something like that to think about these kind of weird, weird kind of B stories. But um. But yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, another uh, superhero news: um, there are making a Deadpool three. So, are you guys into the Deadpool films? I mean, I love Deadpool one, and then Deadpool two was a bit. Yeah, it wasn't as good. I think the thing about about like about the first Deadpool was like I think see because they had such a low budget, and then they just had to like work. They just had to work with what they had, and they just ended up making this kind of quite grounded, really funny. Ryan Reynolds is great. And then I think they, they piled, they made so much money, they piled so much money, more money into it in Deadpool 2, that it just wasn't quite as good, even though it was still great. But um, what, do you, what do you guys think? You guys into the Deadpool films? We'll start, we'll start with you again, Clarkus. Yeah, uh, yeah, pass. <laughs> <laughs> Not a Deadpool fan, no. I mean, I wouldn't say I don't like it, I just haven't. Attempted to watch it, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's, that's um, totally fair enough. Um, politically neutral on this front. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're Switzerland when it comes to Deadpool, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> what about you, Marty? You into the Deadpool movies? Well, I just feel terrible because now there's this news story on this podcast, and you, lovely Ian has no one to discuss it with because <laughs> I just. It's just not. I'm being completely serious. If you ask me to draw Deadpool and what I think he looks like, I I couldn't do it for you. <laughs> um, 
I can definitely listen. I'll give anything a go. Um, <laughs> I think my I think my thing is with um like comic book films or superhero films and the sort of causal between is that I feel like if I don't know the story to begin with, sure. like, it's a cause to begin with. And a lot of people tell me like no no, you just need to know this and they sort of explain the whole story so that I can understand this part of the film. And at that point I'm just exhausted. Like, listen, yeah. This is really great for people that have followed it for so long and like yourself, like are waiting for the next film or waiting for the next, you know, sort of like release of who's going to be in it and and what the storyline's going to be. But I think not being in that world is so alienating because you just feel like, how do I even begin? Like, how do I? Yeah, exactly. Can be quite quite overwhelming, you know. Yeah, exactly. Because there's so much so much background. <laughs> and exactly. But uh, yeah, fair enough. Well, I'll just we'll, we'll uh, put that one down to the wrong crowd. <laughs> wrong crowd. Didn't <laughs> 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 the paper. <laughs> Ian, did you did you seriously piss off Trough to get us as the panel, or did you lose a really big bet? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, stories that they can't <laughs> <probably fun. laughs> oh, Well, mate, uh, so are you guys Stranger Things fans? Let's uh, give this. <laughs> this <first time. laughs> I can tell my clerk is laughter that I'm going to take that as a bit of a no. This new section should be called for those who give a shit. <laughs> Including the panel, uh, show by Ian Shearer. Yeah. I feel like me and Quasi could be like this double, this sort of double act of two people that just don't know what anyone on this podcast is. I'm I'm gonna put on a petition that we are grouped together from now on. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm picking out the news stories, and they're all gonna be wrestling based. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there we can talk about that. Random news stories, and we discuss. And no, I definitely think you know. Good, good to hear some from different perspectives. You've got your less educated folk, but uh, I did watch the um, I did watch the first series. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I think um, I'm just uh, I'm a reader. Sorry. I read books, right, um, so I'm always I'm always behind on uh, TV. Um, so I will definitely need to catch up to that. Is um, is there like a new season coming out? Oh uh, yeah, well, season four is coming out, and they've uh, cast uh, Robert England, who uh, famously played um, uh, Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare on Elm Street. So oh, kind of, um, this is uh, uh, continuing their kind of. It's become a bit of a tradition. They're hiring kind of actors, actors from the eighties. Uh, you know, they have Winona Ryder. Then they brought in I've forgotten his name. He played uh, Samwise, and uh, <laughs> he played Samwise in Lord of the Rings. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but. Uh, he was obviously he was obviously one of the Goonies, so like they brought him in in season two, and then um, I can't remember who they brought in in season three. I feel like it's been ages since I watched it, but yeah, now they're bringing in Robert England as well. But uh, I'm wondering if he's going to be a new kind of villain character because obviously like fam- kind of one of the most famous villains of all time, the the spike hand lunatic in your Dreams. But uh, fair enough. Um, obviously, if you if you haven't if you haven't seen it, there's not, there's not so much to talk about. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, but it's, it's, it's exciting stuff. I mean, uh, Stranger Things has been a great series, and it's funny that we're talking about 80s nostalgia because Stranger Things like totally embodies that, uh, especially with how popular it's been because obviously it's just like loaded with 80s nostalgia, 80s, um, <clears throat> you know, kind of 80s themes and tropes and cliches and story beats, which uh, which really makes it really which really makes it great. But um, we'll just have to see where season four goes, um, whether you guys watch whether you guys watch or not. <laughs> 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 Seeing sort of. Um, 80s classics and Stranger Things is trying to sort of really every chance it gets like emulate that like what do you think is this sort of obsession now with with the 80s I mean every time I leave the house my mum's like oh my god you're dressed like something out the 80s I feel like there's a (laughs) there's some sort of interest in it now and I don't know why yeah, I know. I mean, I know. I told you right. I think like I think there's definitely a kind of there's been a kind of like eighties retro resurgence, especially in the past few years. And, you, and you're definitely right. You definitely see it in fashion everywhere these days. Like you see like all the different different like clothes that people are wearing. It just looks so eighties. But it's mad though. I think it's just like one of these things just rolls back around. It's just gonna be. I, I just quite wonder when we're gonna get to the day when it's like naughties, naughties retrospective, and people are wearing baggy blue jeans and like baggy blue jeans and crop t-shirts and, <laughs> and spiked, spiked stuff. Uh, so who, who knows? I know it's just like in a, one of those kind of weird cultural things. I think it's like dead in the especially in like in a, like it's like in like the world in such turmoil. I think like people look back on like stuff from the eighties and it looks so kind of fun and wholesome and hearty. Like media from the eighties, clothes from the eighties. It's also it's also kind of fun and exciting so maybe this might be actually a kind of call call back to call back to you know like in a quote-unquote simpler time although like it definitely wasn't a simpler time like all you do is scratch a little bit beneath the surface but it's weird though it's a weird it's a weird kind of cultural thing definitely but i mean stranger things is like just a kind of fantastic series anyway but obviously like it totally is that kind of like rooted in like 80s media Totally. Well, do you know, uh, I think we should wrap that up for today. Um, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been so great talking to you guys. Uh, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> well, it was, it was fun. It was fun until we got to the news stories. We were no big deal the news. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, no, it's been so it's been so great uh, having you guys on. Uh, uh, fantastic having you on for the first time, Marnie. I hope uh, you'll be joining us in the future for. Um, more film chat based exploits. Um, Fry Kid, uh, all, all round thumbs up, all round thumbs up from the film first time films podcast team. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just want to thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, Quacku. Thank you. That's so good to see you, mate. And thank you, Marnie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Grant, and thank you to everyone who has decided to drop in and listen. Uh, so good to have you as always. And I'll see you later, guys. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.